Seven Ideas That Changed the World, an interview here with Professor Phil Mitchell coming up here on the Better Sundays podcast at ReachKeep.com. Welcome to the Better Sundays podcast, focused, practical, and usable advice for church leaders looking to reach new young families and impact their community. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Good to have you here. This is a special episode that we're doing here at the Better Sundays podcast where I get to interview my good friend, Phil Mitchell. Really looking forward to this. He has a book that he has written and we're going to discuss it called Seven Ideas That Changed the World. We're going to be talking a little bit about a couple of his other podcasts that he has. And we're talking about how the local church, how you can change your world. And so this is a great episode. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into it and I'll catch you here at the end. All right. Well, I am here with my good friend, Phil Mitchell, and uh, we're just planning on doing a kind of a joint interview here. This will be a little bit different. I'm going to ask him a few questions. He's going to ask me a few questions. Phil's been in the ministry a long time and done a lot of different things and uh, author of a book that I'm going to mention here in just a little bit. But uh, Phil, good to have you on board. Thanks for taking good to be here. For little Zoom call here today, but grateful to have you here uh, at our uh, Better Sundays podcast and at uh, the ReachKeep uh, YouTube channel, where we spend a lot of time helping pastors learn the things and do what they need to do and create flourishing churches. And I know uh, we kind of have the same heartbeat in, in a lot of different ways. So I got a couple of questions for you about your books and stuff, um, but I'm once you give me a little background of of uh, your, you know, what you've done for a living and then your, you know, pastoral experience and just uh, some of that. Take a few moments and tell us where you're, what all you've been doing in life. Well, uh, I've been an educator for my entire adult life and most of that uh, in the college classroom. I've been a college professor, but the entire time that I was a college professor, all 40 years, uh, I was also a, uh, a, a, uh, pastor. So I started pastoring in 1970, and I started being a college professor in uh, oh, about 40 years ago, like I said, and I have done both the whole time. Wow. That's wonderful. And I know when you were a college professor, you got in a little hot water. You ended up on the uh, Bill O'Reilly show, if I'm not mistaken. I did. I did. I, <laughs> tell uh, us, I tell taught... us about your stand. At, well, you were in a public school at that time. Where were you? I taught at the University of Colorado for 25 years. Okay. And uh, the Lord blessed that time. He made the way straight. But uh, toward the end of that time, my time there, uh, we got a new department head who was a very angry uh, gay man. And he didn't know me, but he felt it was wrong to have a Christian, uh, and especially one, a known Christian, uh, teaching uh, in the history department at the university. Mm -hmm. And so he uh, sought to fire me. And I was defended by a number of people at the university. It became quite a squabble, but at any rate, uh, in that process, I did end up on the Bill O'Reilly factor. And, uh, and I did about 35 national interviews during that time. Wow. That must have been something else. So being a born-again Christian man in a public university was quite a challenge then. Well, it was unacceptable. People would ask me, how did you survive in that environment? 
And my answer was, uh, I felt like Joseph in Pharaoh's court. <laughs> the, the Lord made the way straight for me, and he blessed my time there. And the only reason I left the University of Colorado is because the Lord wanted me to. And then I moved uh, and taught for 13 years at Colorado Christian University. So I've had a great experience teaching at those two universities, and I love both of them. Mm -hmm. I love both opportunities, teaching Christian students and teaching uh, at the University of Colorado. More than 90% of my students would not be Christians. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you had some interesting opportunities to witness and stand for the Lord there. So that sounds very good. So through all your stuff that you did, um, being a history teacher, um, you know, you kind of had this Christian worldview. And it was from that that probably you came up with, uh, tell us about your book, The Seven Ideas That Changed the World. Yeah, I began uh, right at the beginning of my time at the university, uh, more than 40 years ago. I started teaching Western civilization or Western culture. Uh, and it was called European civilization sometimes, but then became uh, world civilization. And uh, one of the lectures I developed was, I, I first called it Jewish ideas that changed the world. Uh, and then I changed it to just general idea ideas that changed the world or biblical ideas that changed the world and eventually wrote a book out of that and the thesis of my book is that the seven most important ideas in the history of western culture all originate in the bible and not only do they originate in the bible no one would believe them if god had not revealed them in his word and so uh the bible has created warp and woof Western culture. Mm -hmm. Every blessing your non-Christian friends enjoy is a result of Jesus Christ having walked the earth and spread these ideas across the planet. Mm. That's the thesis of my book. Now, and, and I've read the book, and we'll put a link to the book because it's on Amazon, I believe, and other places like that. We'll yeah. We'll put a very powerful apologetic. Yeah, we'll put the link to it. Um, when my wife and I've talked about several of these ideas many times while we've been driving around and stuff, why don't you share one of the kind of the premise, maybe the first I, main idea, and kind of give people a taste for um, for for that. Well, the first idea is the most important, and uh, it is in terms of its social impact. It comes from Genesis one twenty seven. And it's the argument, uh, it's the sanctity of life argument, that all life is sacred. All human beings have equal worth and value uh, bef before God and therefore before man. Mm -hmm. And again, it's the most powerful social statement ever made in the history of the human race. And no one has ever believed it except people who've been exposed to the teaching of Genesis 1.27. So the idea of human rights... Uh, social justice, equal justice under the law, uh, compassion for the unfortunate, uh, ministry to the disabled, uh, to the special needs child, uh, to the unborn, uh, to the infirm elderly. All of that comes out of that one phrase, the equal value of all human beings in the sight of God. And no one has believed that except people exposed to that truth. So it's a powerful, powerful argument 
uh, for the truth of Christianity. I believe you and I were talking once about, you know, the different hospitals around the world and or around America, you know, and you have the Baptist hospital in St. Luke's and this and that, and so many of them are Christian oriented, but you don't, you don't see the uh, the Karl Marx Hospital or the Charles Darwin Hospital or mm-hmm. whatever, because benevolence and that idea of caring for other people stems out of this verse, which is a Christian in nature and not found in at the same level in you know the Eastern religions or Islamic or whatever along that line. You know, no, it has uh, been exclusively Judeo-Christian. And we have spread that idea around the world. I first noticed it in Cambodia uh, when I was there, uh, that it was the Christian. And it's interesting that Christians of all stripes do that, uh, that it could be Pentecostals or Roman Catholics or Lutherans or Baptists, Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, they all do that. It's all people who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It's all people who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And it seems like the Holy Spirit inspires Christians all over the world to do the same thing. And that is to care for the needy. And mm. one of the unique things about it, I've had people tell me that the Mormon welfare program uh, shows how Christian they are. No, it shows how Christian they aren't. Because to be in it, you have to be a member of the church in good standing. Uh, that's not the way Christianity is. Jesus Christ heals people and ministers to people, no matter what their religious affiliation. Mm-hmm. no matter how they stand with the organization. And Mother Teresa did not stand at the door of the Sisters of Charity uh, in Calcutta and say, you got to be a Roman Catholic to come in here. Yeah. No, she admitted everyone. And that's why cr- Christians are. And mm-hmm. that's why we've been, and it's because of that verse. Yeah, that's cool. I had a, a background, I did some software work for a large nonprofit once, and Always, we always got the nonprofit times. This kind of magazine that talked about the largest nonprofits in the in the nation, and it always had them ranked all the way. And always, out of the top twenty or so, fifteen of of usually the top twenty largest nonprofits that the most money was given to, doing the most benevolence work, that type of stuff. Uh, usually, but like say, seventy five percent of them were Christian in nature. You know, yeah, and the ones that weren't uh, of the five that weren't out of the top 20, mm-hmm. those are all still inspired by Christian culture. Yes, they all exist because of Genesis 127. Hmm. Again, this idea of ministering uh, to everyone, no matter what their station in life, that's an exclusively Judeo Christian concept, and it comes out of that verse. And then Jesus Christ and his followers spread it around the world. And that's kind of goes into my one of my first questions I have for you is the idea of I believe the local church is here to change the world, you know, to to be we are the embodiment of, of that. Can you can you speak to that, that if these ideas that change the world are not just supposed to be resident in your little book, OK, they're supposed to be. How do, how do we get those out? I mean, what's uh, what's your what have you done as a pastor doing that? How did you make all that happen? Well, uh, we don't have to get them out. They're out. Mm. They're out. And they're the most powerful ideas, as you know, now uh, in my uh, older age, I minister to pastors. I'm a pastor to pastors. 
And pastors do this inherently, automatically, and so do Christians. You don't have to tell them to do it. The Holy Spirit is inspiring men and women of God all over the planet to do this kind of work. The local church is by far the most powerful institution that has ever existed. Mm. It's the most powerful in every way, in terms of intellectual influence, ministry to children, changing culture, and it's the most powerful in terms of ministry, uh, benevolent ministries. Mm-hmm. It's the most powerful that way, too. So when a local pastor and the local pastors who listen to you, if I were to remind them of one thing, I would tell them this. You are one outpost of the most powerful organization that has ever existed. Nothing's even close. I used to tell my students in a secular university this. The Christian church is the most powerful institution that has ever existed. Our debate will begin over who's next. Mm-hmm. But number one is not in question. It's <laughs> us. And a pastor needs to keep that in mind. When he gets up in the morning and he looks out at his little flock and he begins to pray for his people, he needs to be reminded that he's part of the most powerful force that has ever existed on this planet. Huh. That's great. That's And boy, I... I believe that the church is the hope of the world, you know, Amen. delivering Amen. The, it sure is. Delivering Christ to the world. So that's great. You recently did a uh, podcast or, or your uh, YouTube channel um, had a book called the, uh, about a book. I mean, it's been kind of popular, um, the two parent privilege. Um, and it, part of it stated that uh, uh, you know, when, when America stopped getting married, uh, we started falling behind, you know, which I think you mm-hmm. said, well, that's like a no brainer, you know, because it's the idea of lack of commitment, you know, when you don't have a commitment environment, things don't go well. How can a, how can a local church, or how is a local church, I, I guess, similar to this commitment environment, people getting involved with the church. And that's sort of my my forte is helping people really flourish in their local church and, and creating flourishing churches. Um, the idea of parents being involved with kids and people being involved with the church, how are, where's some similarities there? How's that, how's how's that bore out in some of your work in your churches over the years? Well, the Christian church, of course, is a product of the will of almighty God. He decreed it come into existence just like uh, at the beginning of mankind, he decreed that the family come into existence. Mm. And he decreed that a family consists of a man and a woman and their offspring. And they are a unique unit. And anybody yeah. that messes with that in history has uh, found themselves in a calamitous situation. It's always the ideal. And this is a secular economist at the University of Maryland who hasn't really done anything original. She's just gathered up. Melissa Carney has gathered up uh, all the data, and it shows very simply that if you are in a family with uh, an intact family, with your mom and dad, that you have enormous advantages in terms of every social matrix, every Mm. single one of them. Uh, You've heard the term white privilege comes around and male privilege. Those don't exist. Jordan Peterson's right. Male privilege does not exist, mm-hmm. but family privilege does. Wow. And if you grow up in an intact family, 
you're what five times like five or ten times more likely to not be in poverty. You're mm -hmm. far more likely to be uh, to have a better level of education. Uh, you have uh, tremendous. You're not nearly as likely to be a violent criminal. You're not nearly as likely to use drugs. You're not nearly as likely to have children out of wedlock. As you know, almost half of America's children now are born without married parents. Yeah. And that's a catastrophe. And it's a gigantic divide. Because if you are born into a family with married parents, you have huge advantages over people who are not. Not that single mothers, and it's mostly uh, single parents are mostly mothers, not that they cannot do a wonderful, heroic job. They Absolutely. can. Absolutely, yeah. They yeah. can, they do. And the church, the church does a better job of helping women to do that than any institution that has ever existed. But as per your recent video, which I enjoyed very much, the church does the best job of helping young families mm -hmm. to uh, to raise their children. And now young families are finally coming around to realizing we are the only ones who helped them. No one else is on their side. Uh, and but So that, in a sense, is a good thing. It's too bad that the schools and the media and all that stuff is such a catastrophe. But at least now it's come back to us. And we do the best job uh, of helping families. And th that's, again, because God has ordained that mm. and led us to do it. Yeah, that's wonderful. You know, there's a lot of evidence with families and a lot of research of, of, in this book, you know, that uh, was written that talked about that, just quantifiable type of things. I I wonder if anyone has ever done anything about families being connected to churches, because to me, it's the same thing. If a family is involved in a local church, they they've moved themselves into what we call a commitment environment. They're, they're in a place where someone loves them, where someone is practicing that, you know, first grade idea uh, that changed the world, you know, uh, reaching out and caring for the sanctity of life and, and loving on people. And I know there's a lot of anecdotal evidence of it because people are like raised in a good church, but I wonder if anyone's ever done any work on how powerful the church is in the helping people to develop their their kids and their family and be successful in life uh, yes there is mike uh, there's some pretty good social science research out there uh there is a political scientist named ryan burge who's a professor at eastern illinois university and he has a uh, he, he has a, a substat column uh, on uh, in which he puts out statistical data and fairly recently he summarized the statistical data showing that children of conservative parents are much happier than the children of liberal parents. Mm. Now, he backed this up with social scientific data, uh, and he does a number of studies like that. But, of course, the big difference is that conservative parents tend to be Christian parents, mm. rather overwhelmingly, and their kids tend to be happier. And then uh, several uh, religious reasons are given for that. For one thing, conservative parents, read Christian parents, take marriage far more seriously. Mm. And the reason we do that, of course, is because God tells us to. So, yes, uh, and he summarizes the uh, social scientific data, and I'm sure your listeners would really enjoy it. Uh, I'll give you a link to his work. I, and I and, believe you did a podcast 
on this or a YouTube channel. Uh, I did. I did recently. a video on yeah. it. Yeah. Fairly recently. And that was even on the right. news, I believe, that they were saying yes. that conservative people are happier and, you know, things well, along that line. And, and, and conservative children have fewer mental health problems. Mm-hmm. Now, I got uh, turned on to this by Jonathan Haidt. Some of your listeners will know who he is. He is a liberal, secular Jew, and a social psychologist. And he is wrestling with why are especially liberal girls the most depressed segment of our society? Wow. Why is this? And I have a video on that, uh, and uh, I give my reasons for it. Good. And of course... Well, and- We'll have to get all those links and, and yes. those in. They'll be a blessing yeah. to your listeners. And I think I think some of it's so obvious in, in like and this is sort of some of the point that I bring up, you know, in some of my recent work I've done. It's like the pop culture doesn't have a lot of character to it. Hollywood doesn't have a lot of character to it. You know, the NBA and NFL and all that. There's not a lot of there's just a lot of places where there's not a lot of character. So if if Christian conservative parents have things like forgiveness and grace and all that, those are all mental health things. Those are those do help people, you know, besides giving them the gospel and helping our young people to know the Lord as Savior. We are giving them things to help them live, you know, in society, learning how to. Mm-hmm bear one another's burdens, just carrying the load for somebody else. And and like I say, the whole idea of forgiveness, where else in our society is, is forgiveness emphasized, you know, but in the local church and in families, you know, and in Christendom. Nothing helps your mental health more than knowing Jesus Christ is your savior. Amen. But then in addition to that, uh, you are helped enormously by knowing that God loves you and knowing that God has the universe under control. One of the reasons young liberal women have poor mental health is that they believe the world is going to be destroyed by climate change. Hmm. Now, we know that that's nonsense. That is not going to happen. Our God controls the climate and everything else, and we can be completely confident in him. Well, if you're a teenage girl, and you're completely confident that your God controls the universe and the climate, you're a lot more likely to be mentally healthy than if you don't believe that. Hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's wonderful. So, well, hey, I, why don't we shift gears here? I'll let you uh, ask me a couple questions. We've, uh, uh, and for, for your listeners who are watching this, um, uh, I'm Mike Holmes. I'm the founding pastor of uh, Sinclair Baptist Church out here in central Wyoming and been involved with youth work and really helping churches reach young families and reach their children for the last 40 years. So um, I don't have uh, quite the pedigree that you have there. I went to Bible college and learned how to work with kids and spend all my time really just helping churches reach their children and reach their families. And I spend a great deal of time going to churches and helping them, training them to do exactly that. Uh, You know, some of the things that they need, everything from, uh, you know, teacher training to ministry team training to nurseries to 
really I spent a lot of time coaching pastors. I have a coaching network um, called the Reach Keep Academy and spend a, a lot of time with pastors around the country. Got a text from one this morning from uh, New Hampshire. And uh, he says, can you come out and train my people? And uh, just got one from Ohio uh, yesterday. Got, you know, can you come and teach at our conference and, and help our people learn the philosophies of, of reaching families? And I don't believe you have to, you know, compromise to, to reach young families. You don't have to have the entertainment. You don't have to have all that, you know, the foo-foo kind of stuff. I believe there's just some real solid principles that we can have to to reach young families. And so that's why we created the Reach Keep podcast. Uh, it's called the Better Sundays podcast. You can find that on, you know, Apple and Spotify and all the different places, Google podcasts. Just look for the Better Sundays podcast. And then the on YouTube, my channel is just Reach Keep. The two words, reach and keep, reach, keep, and put together. And you can look that up and we've got hundreds of training videos there to help help preachers uh, around the country and really around the world. I have guys from Europe and a lot of different places. Got a guy in Newfoundland right now uh, that's uh, involved in my, my training. So anyway, what can I ask or answer for you, Mr. Phil? Well, let me begin with an unsolicited endorsement. Okay. Uh, I have about 20 pastors under my care right now. And I tell them, that the number one best source for practical advice on how to run your church is ReachKeep. Mm. And so they all have your uh, mm. link to your videos and to your podcasts. And uh, even though I'm not currently pastoring a church, I still enjoy them very much. Mm. And I uh, enjoyed the most recent one uh, on uh, reaching young families. Nope. And there's nothing more important than reaching young families. No one's doing a good job of that. Mm. Uh, and the church does the best job of it. And uh, Mike, I did have one question. You had uh, mentioned reaching out to them. Probably the, maybe the most important thing that you can do in reaching young families is to reach young fathers, mm. uh, to reach the men. Uh, the average evangelical church has lots of mothers bringing their kids to church without dad. Yeah. And I was wondering if you had any suggestions on how to get dad involved in this process. Hmm. Because, again, our social scientific research shows that at the end of this process, if you have a dad coming to the church with the kids, the results are a lot better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm honored by your endorsement and thank you. I appreciate that very much. Um, we have a lot of young families here. We believe in reaching the family, the unit, you know, all, all together. And we do have some single moms. There are, uh, obviously statistically a lot more single moms out there than, than single dads, you know? Um, but we try to bring them all in. And I, I think one of the things that we have that has been probably one of the the, the more helpful things um, that we've done at our church and, and that I've trained churches to do is to help parents parent, you know, help them learn what they, what they need to do, how they need to do it. And, and uh, so many uh, moms and dads don't have a grasp on what to do. In fact, one of the larger uh, tensions between a husband and wife in a marriage 
it comes with, I mean, there's always arguments about money and, you know, different things like that, but it's disciplining the children. It's like, how do we discipline mm -hmm. the kids? Some people were raised different. And so there's a lot of different viewpoints on that. So we try to take time to let parents know what we are teaching the children and that they can be involved in doing that. And a lot of dads are just completely intimidated on uh, teaching because they've, uh, with their kids, or even asking questions because they haven't maybe lived the best example they're in their life. Uh, so we try to give them some yeah. good, you know, helpful things to start out with. And some of that is what we do on, on Sundays. Uh, many times, right before the message, we just kind of say, hey, and before I start speaking on, you know, the book of Psalms or whatever, um, let you know your kids are learning about respect today over in the junior church or over in the Sunday school. And so dads, when we're driving, when you're driving home with your kids, why don't you take some time and ask them what they learned, you know, about that and try to, you know, kind of ask them about the, the lesson plan and what they, you know, what they learned and if they had fun and some of that. But then dad, make sure that since we're teaching respect just in this little one hour, you have the other 167 hours with these kids. You make sure that you are being respectful uh, of your employer, of your wife, of your boss. So, we, you know, we speak pretty frankly, and I think uh, dads appreciate uh, some of that. Another thing we do is uh, oftentimes is after church, uh, and we are on kind of traditional church on Sundays, but we will often have right after church, we have a 10 minute seminar on parenting. And so it's like, we, we, I'll just basically say, mm -hmm. how many of you moms and dads out there have a, a, a child that has a problem with their mouth? Let me see your hand. And I mean, it's like <laughs> every hand goes up, you know, grandparents, maybe you too. Okay. Um, tell you what, right after church, we're going to talk about how to deal with a mouthy child. And I'm going to give, I'm going to have a 10 minute seminar and I got a little wrestle wrestling clock, you know, the timer that goes 10 minutes and then it buzzes. I said, I promise you when it buzzes, I'll just stop mid sentence and we'll be done. You can hang around and ask questions if you want. I got a little handout I'm going to give you, but we, we try to do that. It's a, just a short thing. We've done that multiple times throughout the year. And you know, how many of you have an angry child? You know, it's like, oh, and so just right after church, we're going to play one song. Then you come sit up in the front. We're going to teach you this. So we take a very proactive um, stance with this. We don't just preach sermons and hopefully they get it and then they walk out the door. We try to spend time with them. Uh, one other thing that we do that has been just so helpful has been uh, several times throughout the year, we we believe that one of the best things for children is to have an intact mom and dad in a, in a harmonious marriage. I mean, if you want if you care about children, you automatically have to care about moms and dads getting along. So we do a Sunday afternoon training. Uh, we call it Tea for Two. It's just kind of a couples event, and it's for married couples only. Mm -hmm. And they come and we spend about two hours teaching and it's teach, discuss, teach, discuss, teach, discuss. I mean, it's very kind of, we use some video and, you know, have a lot of good discussion. We have hors d'oeuvres and the people get to eat and create friendships, but we strategically put people at the table. So we have two or three new young couples and they will sit with a godlier couple 
that has been kind of through the children raising process already. And then when we throw these questions out, we create this great discussion, but we're also creating the mentor system. And one of the things that we have found is, is for guys to be um, involved, they, they like to talk and they like to, they like to have questions answered, but it's not always in the sermon format that they get their best stuff. Many of those mm-hmm. things are in, you know, what we call the discussion-based model, where we where we talk and ask questions and some of that. So at that particular thing, there's a lot of Q&A going on. And then we leave the, the couple with a, a little card that has like three questions, you know, about communication or, you know, uh, raising kids or whatever. And we send the mom and dad out for ice cream or coffee or go out to dinner, whatever. And this entire time we have a kids program going and the rest of our church, the single people and older folks and teenagers are running a big kids event for about four hours so that the parents can get two hours of training and two hours of talking along. So we were very proactive with reaching the family. We are here to take people from A to B. We're here to change them. I'm not, Amen. I'm not just going to, you know, I, and I value preaching. I value the idea of God's word won't return void and, and some of that, but I think we leverage, uh, we lean on that verse a little bit too much. We need to, you know, talk to people afterwards. And we do a lot of after church type of things where the sermon just was done and then meet at this table back here. If you have questions about this and we'll have a Bible study, you know, so there's a lot of different ways that you can be proactive. Do you sometimes have men who didn't come to the morning service, but they'll come to that afternoon uh, session? Oh, oh, we have, uh, yeah, the, 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 the afternoon after church thing, we've, we've advertised that, you know, in our community, you know, through social media, those type of things. And we have people that will, they'll, they will show up just for that. I mean, they'll come after church to do that, or they will, they'll, they'll call yeah. up and say, how much does it cost to come to that class? You know? <laughs> yeah. So you have men who go to other churches and men who don't go to church at all, mm-hmm. who show up Sunday afternoon for those sessions. Yes. Yeah. We have people that show, and we have some other Bible studies throughout the week. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. folks come uh, to those as well. So yeah, we, we do what we can to reach out. And then we're very, like I say, very proactive. We go after uh, men and help them with their issues. Cause a lot of men are struggling in some, some, uh, you know, moral areas and stuff like that. And we're currently mm-hmm. running a couple classes and doing some stuff for some guys that are struggling with, you know, the pornography issue. And we've got an accountability system for that. So we're doing everything we can to to help guys and, and really help young moms and everybody. I mean, we're, you know, very, very proactive. We're going to go after people. We're here to make, <clears throat> I'm here to make a difference. I mean, I'm here to change the world. It's in God's hands, um, you know, obviously, um, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to be content with just kind of giving a message and saying amen and letting people walk out the door. You know, we're going to be the, doing special events, as many special type things as we can. Yeah. And the local church is the best venue for doing that sort of thing that exists on the planet. Absolutely. I sometimes wonder, we're sort of at the end of the uh, day uh, here in the mountain time zone and i I oftentimes wonder when i go to church 
uh, how many hundreds of millions of my fellow believers have already worshiped the Lord that day mm. in local churches all over the planet. Mm. And uh, I just rejoice in how God is, is working in so many mighty ways. Yeah. And you have, uh, we, we read a lot today about people who are religiously nuns. I'm not talking about a Catholic religious order here. Mm -hmm. We're talking about N-O-N-E-S, people yeah, who that... now, when you ask them, uh, what's your religion, they will say none. And they mean a lot of things by that. Some of them will, will be atheists and agnostics who answer that way, but others will be people who don't feel they're part of any particular denomination. Mm -hmm. They're not a Baptist. They're not a Catholic. They're not a Lutheran. Um, uh, do you have any thoughts on uh, on reaching out to that particular group? many of whom are fairly interested in what we're doing, but they're just not engaged right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Our, our biggest evangelistic outreach is people bringing their friends to church, you know, sure. and when they walk yeah. into, and as you mentioned, the local church environment, a place that is a wholesome mm -hmm. environment, it's different than Hollywood. It's different than pop culture. It's different than anything else. It's the most, wonderful a lot of people absolutely hate their job a lot of people don't like their family you know and when mm -hmm. they come to church we want you know it to be a wonderful wholesome what we call fertile landing ground where they yeah, best hour ground. of the week mm -hmm. yeah and so we had and in fact just talking to someone yesterday and they were saying that's what i love about our church anybody can come here and everybody is accepted and loved on and it doesn't matter if you know what kind of background you have or how many tattoos or piercings or kids or husbands or whatever you know you're going to be loved at our church and we, we we proactive again, very much focus on on things. Um, I'll give you an example. We do a little uh, every Sunday. Everyone fills out a little connection card, and uh, so they put their prayer requests on it and their name and phone number and some stuff, and they can sign up for different things on it. But um, we have a time with some of our key people where we pray for that and we pray for them when we are done praying for those this like the, just this last week um we take time and every one of those that we just prayed for um we get on our we get on our phone and we text those people right there and say hey i just want to let you know i prayed for your cousin louie who's having cancer surgery you know tomorrow mm -hmm. or whatever we do everything we can to interact with them uh, and, and to begin a relationship with them because people come to church because of events. They come because they're invited to something, but they stay mm -hmm. because of relationships. They just absolutely yeah, stay amen. because of relationships. So we're going to do everything we can to foster that relationship. And oftentimes on that card, we'll, we'll have them uh, put their phone number because after the church is over, we will contact them and send them something um, that we referenced. Uh, it, it, for example, um, uh, spoke a while back on like step parenting and step parenting is huge, right? It's about 70% of our community, according to our public school stats, the kids in the public schools are involved in some type of step situation. There's a step brother, yeah. sister, mom, dad, somewhere involved. So step parenting is huge. 
So there are great biblical, a lot of great things to preach on step parenting, but there's also great resources, you know, websites and things of that nature. So mm -hmm. when you speak on something like that and you have found a great resource, basically what I'll say is now for some of you, if you'd like more information about this, I want you on your little connection card, just write the word step. Okay. That's all you got to do. And I'll know what that means. So I'm gonna get your card after church. And if it says step down there at the bottom corner, what I'm going to do is send you straight to your phone. I'm going to send you the link to this website that deals with how to step parent, you know, yours, mine, and ours or whatever, you know, and, I, mm -hmm. but it's a website I've talked about, and then I'll reference that. So then I will send them right after church. And I say, you know, by, by two o'clock this afternoon on your phone, you are going to have the link to that website. We're going to send that to you. And then I, I go ahead and process those after church and send that link to everybody, get it off to them. And then in that, I usually ask a question, you know, so, hey, is there something I can do to help? Is there, you know, a, did, did your, is this about your kid, blah, blah, blah? Is this a foster situation? You know, whatever the appropriate question is, but you try to text them information. So you're creating a resource for them. And you're also asking a question and you're starting the relationship and you would not believe how many people, you know, text back and say, Oh, thank you so much. I did have a question about mm -hmm. X, Y, Z and boom, there you go. The relationship has started. And a lot of that is, you know, with the dads, I mean, they're asking questions because they're more prone to ask it in the private venue than they are sure. you know, out in public. Yeah. Sure. And they're not getting any help from our society. No, the, the wider society right now is very hostile toward men. Mm -hmm. uh, and that has been uh, it's an overreaction to the negative experience women had 50 years ago. Mm. Uh, now that the peril of the pendulum, uh, a lot of hostility toward dads yeah. and they need all the help they can get. And it's churches like uh, ours are the only ones who are on their side. <laughs> They're really trying to help them. Yeah, and and really, when you say that, the only one on their side, that is so true. I have people that just, they, they're so glad to be off work and come to one of our midweek, you know, Bible studies or small groups. They're so glad to be off work and be able to come to, you know, Sunday morning services. And they hang out after church for, for a long time. I mean, we, and we do what we can mm -hmm. to keep them around. You know, we have some refreshments. A lot of the real ministry happens. Play a little then. music and let the kids, mm -hmm. you know, play a little, you know, so we can spend some time ministering to those moms and dads right there in the building. Well, thank you very much, Mike, for what you do. Oh. It's, uh, it's glorious and it's furthering the kingdom. And uh, your ministry is blessing a lot of lives. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Phil. Thank you. Thank you much. So, well, this has been a great uh, thing. We probably should have done this a few years back, or we may be able to do, <laughs> do another one. Yeah, this is good. So, great. Um, again, uh, tell me a little bit uh, about your YouTube channel that you have and how people can get connected with you. Well, I, I presumptuously took the title of the 400 First Prophet. Uh, if, uh, those who are familiar with that Old Testament story, no, it comes from 1 Kings 22, where Ahab's 400 prophets told him what he wanted to hear, and Micaiah, the 400 first prophet, uh, told him the truth, <laughs> what God uh, wanted him to hear. 
And so I, I took that. Again, I said a little presumptuously. So the name of my YouTube channel is The 400 First Profit. And if you Google The 400 First Profit, uh, I'm ranked number one for that uh, yeah, on Google. Whenever so, I want to look your stuff up, I just start typing 401 and boom, it and just it comes it, up. You're like uh, the only be, thing there. So that's a really it'll good be the name. First thing. Yeah. So yeah. I took it because it was unusual, uh, but it's turned out to be a, a good idea. I also have a website, which is accessed about a thousand times a month, uh, the 400firstprofit.com. And uh, like you, I have people from all over the world. Uh, I've learned uh, some new places. I've learned where the Faroe Islands are. <laughs> uh, because somebody from there <laughs> is accessing my website. But all of my videos, I also uh, have a transcript of the video that I put on my website. And so if you would rather uh, read something than watch a video, frankly, I'm that way. Uh, then you could do it on the website. So we can link both of those. And I think that will be real helpful to your listeners uh, that uh, I'm uh, supplying information that uh, I think will uh, accentuate their ministries. I believe that the Christian church continues to be the most powerful force. Christian truth continues to be the most powerful truth that exists on this earth. That's why we have so many enemies. And uh, I'm trying to get out that message as much as I possibly can. Wonderful. All right. Well, Phil, it's been a pleasure to have you uh, with Thank us. Thank you for having Phil me. Phil Mitchell from the Denver, Colorado area and Mike Holmes from Sinclair, Wyoming, a little town and a big town. And uh, my information is at reachkeep.com and my website, uh, it, well, reachkeep is the is the channel name on YouTube. So we'll make sure we put all the links here in our thing and the appropriate things that we've mentioned. Uh, try to get all those on there too. So thank you for being with us, folks. If this thank you for having helpful, me. Yeah, if this has been helpful, I know if you're watching this on Phil's website or if you're watching this on mine or wherever you're watching, we appreciate the thumbs up and the share, but we also appreciate the subscribes uh, on YouTube. So take a moment mm -hmm. and hit the little... Uh, uh, subscribe button there. You can find that usually at the end of the video. Uh, so you can click on that and you can subscribe and get this kind of good stuff all the time. Phil has a lot of really interesting, interesting topics um, that he does these. Uh, and they're all, yours are all like five, six, seven minutes long. I mean, Correct. They're, yeah, they're very, very short, very succinct and very doctrinal and uh, very thought provoking. I really, really appreciate them very much, you know. So my stuff's a little bit more longer. Yeah, well, some of them are five minutes, but most of them are probably eight to 12, 15. And we're uh, practical helps for local churches to keep uh, yeah. keep our churches flourishing. So thank you for being with us here today. And thank we'll you. get this uh, spread out, but uh, we'll take it. Uh, we'll take it from there. So thank you again, Phil. And we'll see you, see you next time here at the Better Sundays podcast at reachkeep.com. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. We had a wonderful uh, discussion before and after, and uh, Phil has been a great friend, but more important than a great friend, he's a great thinker, and he has a lot of great things going on. And I think in our minds, we need to spend some time uh, thinking about these concepts, that what we have is not just a religion, not just a ritual, not just something we do every Sunday, but we are here to change our world. And I want to encourage you to go online 
online uh, to Amazon there. They put the link in the show notes. You can look that up um, and buy that book, or you can get it on the Kindle version. I also want to encourage you or remind you to do uh, us a favor, do Phil a favor, do me a favor, if you would, and subscribe on our YouTube channel. The more subscriptions we get, the more kind of mojo that YouTube gives us, and we're able to kind of get the the word out further. It uh, brings it up more in the feed or however it works there. Don't really know. But I do know that, uh, boy, lately we've had a lot more subscriptions, and I really appreciate it, and that is very helpful, and it does kind of uh, keep the, the good word spread. So if this has been helpful for you, if these type of things have been been good for you, then take a time and uh, hit the subscription button. Uh, definitely hit the, uh, the thumbs up button for us and uh, hit the share button and all the buttons you can hit. So appreciate you very much. So God bless and thanks for being with us here at the Better Sundays podcast at reachkeep.com.